earlier this year, we, um, we were given a, a nice gift. Come to find out, a week later, we needed to get new tires for my wife's car. And that gift that we were given covered uh, those new tires. And once again, we saw that God was providing for us before we even knew that we were going to need it. And if there were probably one lesson of 2021, and let's throw 2020 in that mix too. If there were one lesson that I would want to share with us is that God provides for us even before we know we need it. Hey everyone, welcome to Faith in the Folds, a podcast for ministry and biblical studies and Christian living. I'm your host, Kevin Burr. Today I'm going to do something a little bit different that I have never done before on the podcast. I don't have a guest or a script. I'm going to freewheel this. That's not entirely true. I do have an outline in front of me that will help me kind of steer my thoughts as I do what I would like to call a 2021 look back. Hopefully, this is the first of several of these where I will take a look back in the year, maybe reflect on some guests, reflect on some of how the podcast has grown a little bit, and in general, look at some of the things that uh, maybe I've learned over the year, some highlights, stuff like that. But as far as an actual video or guests, I figured y'all didn't need to watch me just muse to myself here in my office. The bookshelves behind me are, um, I mean, they're pretty attractive. They've got a lot of good books on there, but... Don't want to get too distracted with uh, that kind of stuff. So anyway, I'm going to do this, and um, I'm going to try to do this in one take. If I just botch it terribly, then maybe there'll be some editing or something like that. But anyway, Um, one thing that I uh, wanted to mention is that uh, it is, at the time of recording, it is December 30th, Thursday, December 30th, 2021, and uh, I am looking back at about... 10 or so months of podcasting. I started this podcast on, I think the first episode launched on March 1st of this year, March 1st of 2021. If it wasn't exactly March 1st, then it was the first week of March. I wanted to be able to sit down and talk with a friend, John Nichols, preaching minister for the college side, Church of Christ in Cookville, Tennessee. I wanted to talk with John Nichols about just how how the city of Cookville and the churches of Cookville there that he uh, he has associated with, how they have um, managed in the past year after the um, after the horrific tornadoes that hit Cookville and um, a lot of Middle Tennessee in 2020. So we kind of did like a one-year look back at that. The, I remember when those uh, tornadoes hit um, in 2020, it was, uh, like I said, 1st of March, 2020, and we were, it, it, there were so many things that happened in, in the world at that time, and a lot of it just kind of came crashing down on us. Um, the tornadoes hit, and at the time, we were living in Nicholasville, Kentucky, when I was still uh, 2020, I was just about to uh, finish up my dissertation to defend my dissertation later in March and then graduate in May. And you know, at the time, I was in talks with the church down here in Corpus Christi. We were also, um, I, this is not something that I don't think a lot of people know, we were also at a point where we were dealing with some identity theft 
very frustrating situation. Very frustrating situation. Uh, there was a, a security breach in one of the big financial firms uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, gradually people's identities started being stolen. And Linnea, my wife, Linnea, um, <clears throat> I, I mentioned, I specify that she's my wife for people who maybe aren't friends of the podcast, but this happens to be the first one that you're listening to. So I appreciate you joining in, tuning us today, tuning in with us today. But um, my wife was at work, and she got a call from the unemployment office in Kentucky that wanted to know when her last day at work was. Well, there was a problem, because she was still working. And come to find out that she had been, her identity had been stolen. And so we had to deal with that. But in the midst of dealing with that, uh, tornadoes hit. It was either right before or right after that. And then... That second week of March, COVID shut everything down, which meant government offices were shut down, which meant that we were trying to figure out how on earth we can get this identity theft issue dealt with while we were, while there was nobody there <laughs> at any of the offices, non-essential workers. I remember, I don't know if you all remember that phrase from what is now almost two years ago, non-essential workers, all these people who were... Um, not allowed to come back to work. Anyway, in the midst of all that, I started this podcast because, as I have uh, talked with uh, several friends here recently who are also in the midst of their own uh, projects where they are producing certain things, for a while I felt this urge that I needed to produce something, that I, I, some kind of work, some kind of, um, some kind of project that was worthwhile for consumption. Um, I'm not very crafty, and so you know some people have you know woodworking shops or leather companies. Uh, check out my cousin's leather company, Down South Leather Company. He made the wallet that I use every day. It's great. Uh, I've got a hat from him. Uh, he's got a lot of cool stuff. Down South Leather Company. You find him on Facebook and Instagram. But we. Um, uh, I felt this urge to, to produce something, and just given my training in, in, in biblical studies and, and ministry and stuff like that, I thought it would make sense to do something along these lines, and I batted back and forth a couple of my ideas about what exactly it could be, and finally landed on this, um, on this podcast idea uh, called Faith in the Fold. The um, <clears throat> the title for this podcast, Faith in the Folds, comes from a, a stanza out of George MacDonald's The Diary of an Old Soul. George MacDonald was an old Scottish preacher who was actually a pretty big influence on a generation later of guys, you might recognize the names, of J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. And so in George MacDonald's Diary of an Old Soul, he's like one stanza a day kind of reflecting on particular pain that he was dealing with. And he says here in, uh, in, this, uh, in this line, I search my heart, I search and find no faith. Hidden he may be in its many folds. I see him not revealed in all the world. Duty's firm shape thins to a misty wraith. 
No good seems likely. To and fro I'm hurled. I have no stay. Only obedience holds. I haste, I rise, I do the thing he saith. I was in a grad school, the first round of, first round of many <laughs> rounds of grad school. I was in grad school when, that, when I first heard that. My friend Coulter recommended that to me. Coulter's a good guy. Uh, he recommended uh, George MacDonald to me. Uh, actually, he and I were in, the, in, a, in a class on C.S. Lewis, uh, the literature of C.S. Lewis, uh, at Harding University, taught by... Um, uh, I forget precisely the professor's name, so I don't want to misquote it. But anyway, we really enjoyed that class, and we got introduced to some George MacDonald there, and I think Coulter was the first person to mention Diary of an Old Soul. You can see in the first two lines there, I search my heart, I search and find no faith. Hidden he may be in its many folds. Hence the title, Faith in the Folds, meaning faith in the folds of our heart. This particular line was especially important to me at that time in my life, and I will get to that I'll get, I'll get to why later, but that is the title of this podcast, Faith in the Folds, and as I've kind of looked back on this, I have been extraordinarily fortunate, uh, and, and, and perhaps lucky, perhaps uh, providentially blessed, to be able to talk with a variety of folks. That otherwise, some of whom I have known for many years, I've had Luke Dockery on the podcast before, he's a good friend of mine, youth and family minister at the Cloverdale Church of Christ in Searcy. He and I have been friends for uh, 15 years now, and I've had other people on the podcast whom I've just met once, Fate Haygood, was my second interview, preacher at the Metropolitan Church of Christ in the greater Los Angeles area. Fate was a delight to have on the podcast, and every time I've heard him preach, I thought, man, wow, yeah, I would love to be able to preach like that. Um, and in a, a number of others, um, you know, some some scholars on that I've had on that I've never met, I've just reused their books, and others that I've had uh, have taken for several classes. Faith in the Folds has been a lot of fun uh, to do, and I, I think I think that something like this was what God was kind of pushing me towards, that I needed to do something that would, um, that, that had some production, that, that involved some degree of production, something like that. Um, and so here we are, you know, uh, 10 months in, almost a year in, right? it'll be a year in March, and uh, we've got uh, somewhere in 40 episodes of currently available on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast venues everywhere. Um, if you are a fan of the podcast and, uh, and you have not already left a review, I'd love for you to leave one if you don't mind. I've had some friends who have uh, been kind enough to leave reviews, and I'll get back to those in just a second. But so we've got about 40 or so episodes uh, available currently, and I have several others kind of waiting in the dock, and currently I'm in, the, in a series on the New Testament. And um, you're kind of looking at the New Testament, sort of book by book, or a big collection of books um, at a time. And I've had uh, you know, scholars and professors and um, people, you know, people like that on these uh, books in the New Testament. And I have really been enjoying the series. And um, I, think it's been, I think it's been going fun. It, it's been going well, and I, I, I have grown in my knowledge of these books and 
I have definitely been able to walk away from these interviews with a greater appreciation for folks who are able to dig into uh, these kinds of studies at a deeper level than even I can. And, you know, I'm, I'm, part of my job is to be able to do this, do the kind of teaching and research that, uh, that they do. And that's why I really appreciate folks who are able to really dedicate time and do it in a way that is, uh, is ultimately beneficial for the church. Which is the very kind of thing that some of these reviews I mentioned just a minute ago have, uh, have said. I've gotten a few very kind reviews. Uh, all of the reviews that I have have been kind. A couple of them have mentioned this particular thing, that this podcast, Faith in the Folds, has uh, either a knack or a propensity for making scholarship accessible to the church. And I am doing this for that reason. This podcast is, it is for that reason. I think I have been gifted to, to do that. Um, <clears throat> and it, it, some of it might be in large part to, to where I grew up. So I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I grew up at the Donaldson Church of Christ. Uh, Donaldson's a suburb of uh, Nashville on the east side of town. Not East Nashville, okay? I, I'm not that hip. Um, although when I was growing up, East Nashville was not anything hip. <laughs> it has, Nashville's changed very much um, since, I, since I left. But I, have, um, I, I grew up at the Donaldson Church of Christ where uh, several scholar churchmen impressed upon me the value of making learning accessible uh, few names come to mind. The, the guys who were there when I was, um, when I was youngest, um, Bob Hendren, Randy Harris, and Mark Black. And Randy Harris, a longtime professor at um, Abilene Christian University. Prior to that, uh, had taught at Lipscomb University in Nashville, which is where he was, um, where he was when he was preaching for us. Mark Black, um, still longtime professor at Lipscomb University. Mark's uh, older brother Alan Black is a dear friend of mine, and is uh, one of my one of my most favorite professors. And I have had a lot of professors, <laughs> having been in school as long as I've been in school. Uh, Dr. Alan Black, one of my one of my favorite professors. But uh, Bob Hendren and Randy Harris and Mark Black uh, and, and and several others who came after them, all impressed upon me the the need for being able to take kind of great Bible learning and, and, and translate that and make it accessible to people in the pew whose expertise and training is not in those areas. So a couple of ex- an example. It, it was not at all weird for me as a child to hear you know, what this or that Greek word meant in a sermon. I, that's off, I, I've, I've heard that that's off-putting for some people. I have, I, I've, I've never personally met anybody who, who was annoyed that a preacher would ever mention a particular Greek or Hebrew word. Um, there are ways to do it better than others. Um, I've heard, I, I was not a Bible major in undergrad, but I have heard that some of my some of my friends who were Bible majors, their professors said, never, you never need to use Greek in a sermon, or you like, you never need to say, well, this Greek word means da-da-da. It's like, I, 
I, maybe my friends exaggerated what the professor said or what, I'm not sure. But I think what is kind of most important here, at least for you know, sort of what I'm, what I'm driving at is, we were able to, I, I was able to, to see that I could, I, there was a lot of, there's just a lot of uh, intellectual meat on that bone that I could that I could chew on uh, when it comes to Bible study. Um, you know, it's funny now looking back at my uh, time in undergrad how I just I decided to minor in elementary or I decided to minor in New Testament Greek because I thought it would be fun. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I was a history major, and so it, it Greek was a historical thing. So it, it just it, it, to some degree that maybe that's how I justified it. But I, I thought eh, this this would be neat. I don't know why I didn't know then that it would be useful for me to do maybe something kind of like what I'm doing now. But anyway, it I, I grew up with these scholar churchmen, um, as I've been describing them, and um, you know these guys impressed upon me a need for taking um, <clears throat> taking what might be difficult or dense or not especially accessible information and distilling that and making it practical and showing how, yeah, this kind of you know, more in-depth Bible study or this kind of specialized knowledge is actually really useful for me as a, as a Christian whose job it may not be. Remember at the time I was a child, whose job is not, you know, congregational ministry or something like that. A couple of the reviewers of the Faith in the Folds podcast have mentioned that this podcast has been doing that very thing, making scholarship accessible to the church. And, and I'm extraordinarily grateful, extraordinarily grateful for the people who have written those kind reviews and uh, have noticed that that is that that's something that I'm that I'm intentionally trying to do. Um, in addition to Faith in the Folds, I have another podcast. <laughs> it's not one that I do by myself, but I, um, I kind of stumbled into this one with a friend who was, uh, who I overlapped with in, in school at a Harding School of Theology in Memphis, and then we later reconnected. We, we were talking one day, I, I, I knew of this friend's love for Star Wars, and I was saying, hey, you know, because I was starting Faith in the Folds, and I was like, hey, you know, it'd be it'd be neat to do an episode or so on kind of like Star Wars and the Bible and stuff like that. Well, he took that and ran with it, and uh, found another guy up at the church where he was working at. So my my friend is named Jared Mays. I've had him on the podcast before, and uh, he at the time was working at the Lemonster. Church of Christ in Lemonster, Massachusetts, with a, a guy up there named Scott. Scott is, um, is Scott has described himself as a not not brand new Christian, but relatively new or young Christian. But is a big Star Wars fan. Jared is a huge Star Wars fan, and so Jared and Scott said, "Hey, this sounds like a cool idea. What if we made like a whole podcast series out of this?" And so Jared, Scott, and I have a podcast called Hyperspace Theology. And um, every couple of weeks or so, we turn out an episode that connects some 
theme or um, you know some event or some characteristic about a particular you know uh, protagonist or antagonist in Star Wars with something that we see in the Bible. And so a couple of episodes that we've done before um, around Easter time, we talked about resurrection in the Bible and uh, force ghosts <laughs> in Star Wars. Now, if that sounds kind of strange and out there for you, um, that's okay. We have, uh, we've talked about, in our most recent episode, it was a Christmas-themed episode, we talked about the prophecy of the child who would bring balance to the Force, and compared that with, uh, with the prophecy of the child who would be Emmanuel, God with us based out of Isaiah chapter 7, but then later connected to, um, connected explicitly by the Gospel of Matthew in Matthew chapter 1. And so we, we dig into that kind of stuff, and we talk, uh, we ask questions about, um, we had a Halloween-themed episode where we talked about the dark side of the force in Star Wars uh, compared with a Christian view of evil and Things along those lines. And so that's, that has been a really fascinating uh, podcast. I mean, it gives me a great excuse to stay up to date with Star Wars shows and movies and things like that. But, you know, it's also kind of fun because our kids are getting into Star Wars these days. For Halloween, I was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Linnea was, uh, was Leia. She did her hair up and everything. And um, our older son was Darth Vader, and our younger son was uh, Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda. He also happened to get three different Baby Yoda things for Christmas. And my other son got some Star Wars Lego. And um, before we left to go back to Nashville for Christmas, my older son and Linnea went to Walmart to buy me something from him for me for Christmas. And all throughout our trip, he kept telling me, Dad, I didn't get you Star Wars Legos for Christmas. That's not what I got you. <laughs> so I, could re- I was able to reasonably guess that I got Star Wars Legos from him, despite his protest that he did not get me Star Wars Legos for Christmas. <laughs> but... I got a Star Wars Lego set with the Mandalorian and, you guessed it, Baby Yoda, uh, a.k.a. Grogu, there in the pack. And so our house right now is littered with, you know, Darth Vader action figures and ornaments and Baby Yoda this and Baby Yoda that and Star Wars Legos and all kinds of things. But one of the things that I really like about the Star Wars podcast, which again is called Hyperspace Theology, um, it's just an audio podcast. Check us out in, uh, on um, podcast venues everywhere. We also, we also have a, an, uh, an Instagram page. I think we're on Twitter, too. Um, but one thing that I like about this series is that it stretches me to draw connections with popular ideas, um, or popular culture, and the Bible, which is something that ministers need to be good at. Uh, we see the Apostle Paul doing something kind of like this in, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 17. Paul is there uh, traveling in the city of Athens, and he draws connections with, the popular st- with stories that are popular to his pagan audience. Draws connections with some of their, what some of their poets have said. And um, you know, uses that as a way to draw a bridge 
to the the story of Jesus. <clears throat> Not that my friends and I are trying to be the Apostle Paul, but we are trying to translate or trying to draw some connections between the world of Star Wars and the, uh, and the world of the Bible. And uh, there are times when we can say, yes, this thing that we see in Star Wars is very similar to this thing that we see here in the Bible. And other times we have to say, you know, these things are very different. And Star Wars, of course, is fictional. Bible, of course, tells real stories about real people and real, real time and space doing real things. But there are times when sometimes a story can tell us very much about, a, a fictional story can tell us very much about reality. That is why Jesus tells parables, and I think that that's pretty useful. And so the Star Wars podcast, with an old and a new friend, has, uh, has really, been, really been a lot of fun. As we uh, as I kind of move on with this 2021 look back, I have, um, I've had several people reach out to me uh, in the last few weeks several people from here at our church in Corpus Christi, reached out to me in the last few weeks to express their, to, to very kindly express their appreciation for, for us, um, you know, my wife and my family, and, and for, you know, for my teaching and stuff here. And I mentioned that not to, uh, not for the sake of self-aggrandizement, but to ex- express my appreciation for folks who, um, who have noticed that you know, I, I do try to work hard and I do try to put together good lessons that are worthwhile and meaningful. And the reason why several people have been so keen to tell us that these days is because, as many people now know, um, <clears throat> within the span of roughly, um, roughly a month, our church's youth minister and preaching minister both took jobs that would send them closer to family. Now, anybody who uh, is in ministry would look at a church and say, you lost two ministers within a month. What is happening? Well, both of these ministers will tell you that, that you know, they were not forced out or anything along those lines. It was all, it was all amicable. But COVID has been a, such, a, such a roller coaster and created such a, just such a, it's, it's, it's trying to say it's, a, it's such a difficult time. But I think one thing that COVID has done for some people is give them greater clarity. I think COVID for others has maybe clouded their judgment. But I think for some people, COVID has given them greater clarity or, or, or living through COVID has given them greater clarity where they have looked at their lives or, or their situations or kind of where they are in life. And before all of this, they probably justifiably thought that they could manage fairly well being relatively far away from family or friends or you know, other support systems or things like that. But after COVID, or maybe going through COVID, and inevitably suffering the loss of the, the some of the different kinds of loss that many of us have suffered from, whether it's loss of a loved one, either directly because of COVID or just because you know of other health issues or things like that, 
or loss of uh, loss of money or loss of friends because people were concerned to you know be around each other or loss of uh, networkers you know security you name it i think covid has shown people that if they don't have to be away from family why should they if they don't have to be away from these closer maybe more substantial or more meaningful support systems, why should they? And I suspect that uh, that is, uh, in large part, why, um, why my friends here have, uh, have uh, taken positions uh, elsewhere. Our youth minister and I met um, just back in 2020 when, uh, when I came down to visit. Uh, and instantly became very good friends. He reminded me of uh, of the best of my younger youngest friends from when I was finishing up uh, my time in Cersei. Um, he reminded me a lot of those guys, and so uh, we we connected pretty quickly. And the preaching minister is uh, is a fan of the podcast, or a fan <laughs> a fan and a friend of the podcast, uh, Dr. Mark Adams. Mark and I have known each other uh, all of my life, and he has known me almost all of his. We grew up at the same church together. We, um, he was my first camp counselor. I was his youth ministry intern for two summers when he was at Old Hickory on the north side of Nashville. We, um, we both went to Harding University, both went to Harding School of Theology. We both, um, you know, we've known each other for a very long time and have gotten along very well. And Mark is honestly the reason why this church was on our radar in the first place. I've told the story before, but I'll, I'll quickly retell it again. Uh, January of 2020, I was, in, I was um, doing a podcast for Mark. He was doing a really neat series called Journey Through John here at King's Crossing. And afterwards, I told Mark, I was like, hey, you know, after we'd finished recording, I was like, hey, you know, it'd be kind of fun if we, um, if there were a church uh, in the Nashville area somewhere, um, you know, in the future where, you know, if you wanted to preach, maybe I could do some associate stuff. That'd be kind of neat for us to work together. And Mark's very next words were, well, I don't know how you feel about moving to South Texas, but I might have a job for you. <laughs> and then one thing led to another. And um, come August of 2020, we moved down here. And it has, it has been an adjustment. South Texas is... Uh, is a weird place, not weird in a bad way, but it is a strange place. It is, um, I've never lived in a place where the tallest trees are palm trees. We were just uh, in Nashville um, last week, and you get these gorgeous tall oak trees and the poplar trees and all that, and um, uh, there's just men, you know, like, the, there's just not a tree over 20 feet <laughs> It feels like here in the area, unless it's a palm tree. And um, those are not known for their shade. But we have um, we have embraced this adventure of living down here. And it has been it has been interesting moving during COVID because I have um, I've had to learn how to become part of the life of the congregation. While the life of the congregation was so unlike anything anybody in the rest of the congregation had ever known, and so I, what's interesting is that yeah, you know, the majority, the overwhelming majority of people that I interact with here at church, they know this church 
in a way that I cannot know this church because I did, I I came you know in the middle of covid and everything was everything was so different there but what we have experienced is is uh, some real blessings we moved to down here and um the very first night that we were here I foolishly forgot to lock the tailgate where we had a lot of our suitcases and stuff and that morning I go back, I went back out of our hotel room and uh, found out that um, several of our suitcases and things had been stolen. The irony, I have a couple of ironies about that. Um, one is, you know, after realizing what had happened, I said, well, it looks like we moved to the right place because there's some people down here who are sorely in need of the gospel. <laughs> and two, the funny thing was, is the last thing that I had seen out of its place in the back of the truck was a box that had been opened, and the very book on top of it was a, a biblical Hebrew grammar. And if these clowns who stole our stuff only knew the street value of the kinds of books that I had in the back of my truck, they would have left all of my ties and my wife's shirts alone, and they would have gone <laughs> for the books and, and sold them. <laughs> Joke's on you. Anyway, we, we, the very next day, as we were moving into our apartment, and like the ne- next day, it was the next week or so, I was getting moved into my office, we received well over $1,000 worth of checks and gift cards and, and welcome to King's Crossing and welcome to Corpus Christi kind of things from the church down here. And we had received about as much, uh, roughly the same amount of stuff, checks and cash and gift cards and stuff like that, when we left our church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And what I have seen this year, and especially last year, but also this year too, is that in situations like these, God was providing for us before we even knew we were going to need it earlier this year we um that we were given a a nice gift come to find out a week later we needed to get new tires for my wife's car and that gift that we were given covered uh, those new tires. And once again, we saw that God was providing for us before we even knew that we were going to need it. And if there were probably one lesson of 2021, and let's throw 2020 in that mix too, since the, the idea for this podcast you know, it started blossoming in 2020. If there are one lesson that I would want to share with us is that God provides for us even before we know we need it. Something else that I've uh, been thinking about here recently and uh, something that I've actually been telling my oldest son and, and I've had to experience firsthand is... This, don't be sad 
that you didn't get one more good thing. Be glad that you got the good thing that you have. And that's kind of convoluted. So I'll give you an example. My son, my five-year-old son, is great. He gets his intelligence and good looks from his mom. And he gets his occasional grumpiness from his father. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> he, he will sometimes, because he's a kid, right? Because he's a kid, he will sometimes... He'll be so happy to get, you know, like a like a Reese's, uh, like some kind of candy or cookie or something like that. He'll be so happy to get that, and then he'll ask, "Hey, can I have another?" And it's like, "Well, he's already had one." Uh, it's like, "No, buddy, I don't think so." And he'll get really mad, and I'll go over there and tell him, "Like, hey, bud, don't don't be upset that you didn't get more. You had one, and it was great, or you had some, and they were great. Learn to appreciate that you had this good thing." Don't be sad because you didn't get the other thing. That's a, admittedly probably a mature lesson for a five-year-old. But here I am at 36, finding myself also <laughs> struggling with that sometimes. I have, uh, I have had to put that into practice. I've had to put my money where my mouth is. When Mark, our preaching minister, and Justin, our youth minister... Both uh, told us that they were going to be moving away. It would be easy to um, to be angry. We moved a very long way from we we. <laughs> Linnea and I used to think that three and a half hours from Lexington, Kentucky, to Nashville, Tennessee, was a long way away. <laughs> used to think that that was a long way away <laughs> and we would we would occasionally feel exasperated when our parents would ask us multiple weekends in a row or multiple weekends in a month to to come down and because it was so-and-so's birthday or so-and-so was going to be in town or 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 what have you <laughs> we used to think that that was so difficult and now <clears throat> yesterday morning we woke up at five we we left Nashville, Tennessee at 5.10 a.m. And we pulled into our driveway in Corpus Christi, Texas at 10.45 p.m. <laughs> we used to think that that was really difficult. And now it is a different ballgame. So it would be very easy... For us to be upset and to say, man, you know, God, did you really pull us all the way down here? God, we prayed earnestly for, for, for peace and for clarity and for discernment. And, and we, we genuinely felt that this was where we needed to be. And then a year later, rounding, 16 months later, one of my oldest and best friends and a really good new friend have left? Is that what this was about? It would be easy for us to be upset about this. But, as I have tried to tell our sweet five-year-old, it is better for us to be glad that we got the time that we did 
rather than to dwell on the sadness or even anger that they are leaving. I gave a communion devotional a few a few weeks ago about um, about how it was okay. It was okay to be sad about these changes. And it connected that to you know, the, the disciples' sadness that Jesus was leaving, but also you know, Jesus' uh, recommendation. Jesus is urging them, encouraging them to, um, to not dwell on that sadness, but to do the next faithful thing. That was his response, essentially. You're to stay here until you're clothed with power from on high. Carry the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That was the next faithful thing. That was what they needed to do. The next faithful thing. So, that is what we are doing. And that's what this church is doing. And that is another thing that I want to share with you today. In addition to, God provides for us before we even know we need it. Let me encourage you that if you're looking at a situation, perhaps a loved one is aging, perhaps they're sick, maybe you have lost your job, maybe bills are mounting up, so on. I don't want to. I don't mean to be trite, uh, but I have had to live this myself. Do the next faithful thing. When we were staring at the uncertainties of identity theft, right as COVID was hitting, and so we had no way. Like we, we we were not able to pull the unemployment that Linnea was due because the governor of Kentucky had closed the physical therapy clinics. And so she was due unemployment because it, uh, it was made illegal for her to work. Um, <clears throat> we were not able to pull that because of this issue with her social security number being tied to... Uh, this um, identity theft problem. I I sat down in our chair in our house, um, and and prayed. God, don't let us, don't let this destroy us. Don't let this be the end. Admittedly, short-sighted, you know. Looking back at it now, but. All I knew to do was pray. That was a faithful thing. And so, in the midst of this tragedy, I did the next faithful thing, which was pray. And if you are looking back at 2021, and or, or excuse me, if, if you're looking ahead to 2022, and you see some situations that are admittedly kind of tough, do the next faithful thing, whatever that is. Last thing I want to mention uh, 
this afternoon. I say afternoon. I'm, I'm recording this in the afternoon. Last thing I want to mention this afternoon is, uh, is this. My wife and I have a tradition where we no longer exchange gifts with um, her brothers and their wives uh, or my brothers and their wives. Um, it, <laughs> for years, my brothers, uh, Philip and David and I, would, it, I, th- I think we, F- Philip is usually uh, quick to watch these as they come out on YouTube. And so, Philip, correct me if I'm wrong in, in the comments um, or chime in to, um, to confirm this. I think for several years we just exchanged $20 bills. <laughs> that, was, that was our Christmas present to each other. We gave each other $20. Uh, but, it wasn't, but it was more like a triangle where like we would just stand there and I would hand Dave a 20 and Dave would hand Philip a 20 and Philip would hand me a 20. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, I just think I remember that happening one time in that order, I think, at our parents' house one Christmas. Um, eventually, we, d- we decided that, you know, instead of, um, instead of exchanging gifts like that, uh, however silly or however meaningful, we would rather spend the time with each other. And so since 2018 now, we've had this really fun uh, tradition where we will uh, let you know, grandparents or whomever, uh, you know, grandparents, let grandparents watch our kids um, if they're not old enough. And then the six of us will go, you know, so me and Linnea, um, you know, Damon Page, Philip and Allison, we'll go, all six of us, to dinner together somewhere. Or me and Linnea and then Whit and Cole and Pete and Kara, we will all go to... A dinner together somewhere. Um, so two different groups of six. And we'll eat and have dessert together. And it is a delightful time. It is really a treat. I look forward to it every year. It is a lot of fun. And a few nights ago, we did that with Linnea's brothers. And um, Linnea posed a question that she did not intend for it to kind of steer the conversation the entire evening, but it it did, and it was a delightful conversation. Uh, she asked the question to each individual, what goals do you have for 2022? And she specifically chose the word goals because it, perhaps to kind of shake us out of our familiarity with uh with the idea of a resolution, right? Um, resolutions, uh, New Year's resolutions, a lot of people make them, not everybody keeps them, and so on. And so anyway, we, um, you know, I, I've been, I've mentioned in the past, either in this venue or other venues, about some resolutions that I kept in 2012 and uh, kept them for, uh, for years, actually. And <laughs> did a pretty decent job. Got, got a lot healthier, too. Uh, ended up losing about 35 pounds because, or 45 pounds uh, because of these resolutions, uh, just over over the course of a year or so. But uh, despite all that, that's uh, that's the exception. And you know, I've made and kept, uh, I've made and not kept resolutions since then. And so Linnea asked the question, "What goals do you have for 2022?" And we all shared ours, and um, it, it wasn't just a kind of a checklist where. You know, like, I have six goals, and here they are. <laughs> that, that didn't go like that. 
Um, it, the conversation was, was much more organic. But we all shared ours, and most of us realized the essential component to achieving our goals was discipline. <laughs> and I'm laughing because I, I have been thinking for the last uh, couple of months now how I really need to grow in discipline. Um, there are some ways in which it's very easy for me to be disciplined. When I was writing my dissertation in 2019, it was actually pretty easy for me to be disciplined. I would drop the boys off at daycare at 7.30 in the morning. I would go to school, get there by 7.45 or 8. I would read and write and edit and dissect and think and read and write and repeat the whole process till about 3.30 in the afternoon, and then I would go pick up the boys again. And I just had, I had a lot of time to do that. In addition to other responsibilities and things like that, it was fairly easy to be disciplined there because that was my job. Um, these days, with different jobs and different um, different responsibilities, kind of pulling me in a, in a variety of ways, discipline feels a lot harder to attain. <laughs> but that is simply the nature of the beast. And so as we shared our goals, we realized the essential component to achieving our goals was discipline. And it uh, got me thinking about a story that I have shared, I think I've hinted at it here and there in this podcast, but I don't know if I've told the story in its entirety. I have told the story to my Greek classes. For those of you who might not know, I am an adjunct professor of New Testament Greek at Harding School of Theology in Memphis, have been since uh, 20... uh, kind of indefinitely since 2020, so just last fall. But I first started that in 2016, and so that's been that's been a lot of fun. But one thing that I have, um, that I encourage them to do, is to be disciplined in their studies. I mean, that, that's language learning, you can't just cram it all in, right? It's cumulative. And so I wanted, I've told them this story, and I want to tell it here in the podcast, and kind of wrap up with this as I near my 2021 look back, which has been kind of a meandering thing, but it's surprisingly had more organization and better flow than I thought it would since uh, I don't, uh, I didn't really have much of a script. I just have kind of a rough outline (laughs) that um, doesn't really look like much. But here we go. In the summer, spring or summer, In the spring or summer of 2010, I think it might have been the spring of 2010, when I was right near the end of my Master's of Science in Education at Harding, my first master's degree, I needed to step into Dr. Kevin Klein's office. He was the chair of the history department at that time, and I was still, I was a history, my, my master's was out of the education department, but because I was social studies, um, history and social studies emphasis, I was working very much in that department as well after being a history under, uh, undergrad major. And I, I stopped, stopped by Dr. Klein's office to ask him about a class that I thought I needed to take during the summer. It was a pretty s- serious seminar class. You read 
three sets of five books each, so 15 total, about a particular topic or, or, or related topics. And, and then you, you write extensively on that. And so it, it's a you know, pretty serious seminar, it, in, independent study type of seminar. Um, uh, sorry, in, independent study. I've been saying seminar. It's a pretty serious independent study, and I thought I needed to take that because I had known of other graduate students who had taken that in the past. So I talked to Dr. Klein about it. I went in there to talk to Dr. Klein about it, and he, when I came in, he said, Hey, Kevin, I'm glad you're in here. Um, what is the status of your student teaching portfolio? And I asked him, what portfolio? <laughs> and he explained it to me and how I was something that I apparently had just missed because even at the ripe old age of 24, I still didn't know how to read a syllabus, apparently. Goodness gracious. Y'all, I have grown a lot. These days, I don't read syllabi. I write them. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, I could not. I just, I, I missed it because I was negligent. I, I don't think I was dumb. I was just negligent. So I asked him, what's, what portfolio? And he explained it to me. And I was like, man, I, just, I don't have any of that. And I was looking at it, like how much kind of time that would put together and all this other stuff. And I just, I asked him the dumbest question that you could ask a teacher. And I said, what grade would I get if I didn't do this? <laughs> and I would, I would go from an A in the class to a C because I did really well on my student teaching performance evaluations. <laughs> the portfolio was a big deal. So I'd go from an A to a C. And you know what I said? Okay, I'll just take the C. And then, after not showing really much remorse or repentance, I asked Dr. Klein about this seminar, about this independent study. And I was you know, trying to, like, I was really under the impression that I needed to take it. And Dr. Klein finally stopped me and said, Kevin, look, I am unwilling to commit to working with you because you have shown that you are unwilling to finish work to which you've committed. And that stung. That hit hard. And that was exactly the swift kick in the seat of the pants that I needed. He saw, I, th I suspect, saw some potential that I was squandering. And in Christian love, called me out on it. Didn't pull any punches or anything. Wasn't aggressive or, or wasn't rude about it. Just told me very plainly, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do this with you because you've shown that you're, you're not responsible enough to finish this kind of stuff. Those words, I'm unwilling to commit to you, etc. I heard them every day my first year at Harding School of Theology. I graduated with my Master's of Science in Education in the summer of 2010, and then immediately in the fall of 2010 started my Master's of Divinity at Harding School of Theology. 
a four years master four year master's degree that might sound wild to you at mdivs are huge and they cover a ton of things so that's why it's such a robust degree every day every time that i wanted to um cut out of the library early and stop studying or whatever every day that i wanted to take the easy route i heard dr klein in my head say i am unwilling to commit to working with you and i went to hst with the express purpose of doing well enough to be able to get into a phd program so i needed to work hard i needed to learn discipline and i suspect that for some people discipline is uh, is one thing that when you are motivated, maybe discipline might come a little bit easier. I was motivated. I, I, I kind of knew why I was going to get my master's in education. I you know, was planning on moving back to Nashville because Lene and I were just dating at the time, and my family was still in the Middle Tennessee area, and so I was going to go back to Nashville and teach high school history and social studies. And, uh, I mean, that was adequate motivation, but it was, it was kind of like, oh, you know, this, this is sort of what's next um, in, in terms of a career. But through a series of conversations and a lot of prayer, um, late-night prayer, um, I, I felt that maybe God had wanted me to do something different, um, which was a little scary because it was unknown. And a teaching made sense because I come from a family of educators, um, a lot of public school teachers in my family, it, it just my immediate immediate family, uh, not to mention uh, extended family. Well, it, the discipline to do well at HST, I would say I was motivated, and so I could discipline myself more easily, but I over the years, perhaps, maybe I've gotten used to that degree of discipline. And so where I am now is a lot better than where I was maybe 10 plus years ago. That's good. But I wonder if it's plateaued. And maybe now the next step or the next upward spike in growth will happen if I learn to be disciplined for things that are ultimately good, but are harder to motivate, harder to self-motivate. And I think that's the difference between discipline and motivation. When you're motivated, sure, it's easy to do the hard thing. But when you're not especially motivated, it's a lot harder to do the hard thing. But if you're disciplined, then motivation can wax and wane however it wants to. And with your discipline, you can do the next faithful thing. This is a good place to wrap up. So, let me encourage you to kind of look at these, uh, these two areas. Uh, these two big lessons that we've uh, that I've been talking about here. One is 
pay attention to what God has given you. I suspect you will see that God has provided for you, that God has been preparing you before you even knew you needed it. And the second thing is this. Whatever situation you find yourself in, whether it is just kind of the ho-hum of day-to-day, or whether it is, you know, whether you're sitting there in the midst of tragedy or, or riding high because things are going well, take stock of what's around you and then do the next faithful thing. Do the next faithful thing. Whatever that is, however small that is, let that allegiance, let that fidelity to God snowball. Jesus says, whoever is faithful with small things will be faithful with big things. I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's relevant to what we're doing here. Take that small bit of um, discipline, put it into action, watch it grow, watch it snowball, and continue to uh, bless you and bless others. Guys, I really appreciate everybody tuning in. It has been a treat to put together this uh, podcast uh, for 2021, and I've got a lot of uh, a lot of neat ideas. I think I think they're neat ideas and good ideas for guests that I want to have on Faith in the Folds in 2022. We'll continue with our series on the New Testament, and we will um, <clears throat> you know we'll wrap that up probably sometime in February or so. February or March, but until then, really appreciate everybody tuning in with us. Uh, if if you can, uh, please feel free to leave a review and um, and write a review as well. Appreciate the the multiple star reviews um, from folks on Apple. I think we've got uh, five stars out of sixteen reviews or something like that, which is great. But uh, written reviews, and if you wouldn't mind uh, sharing this with somebody you think might benefit from all of this as well. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in today.